0: But we planted our church about the same time. Like I th- Actually, I think it was like a month later uh, than what you guys did. And you guys have supported our ministry. And, and I just want to thank you for all that you've done for us and, and supporting us. And thank you for your generosity and your passion to love the people of Central Mexico. And we're so excited about what God has for us in 2017. He's got some big things <laughs> that we're undertaking um, that you guys are a part of. And, and I just want to give you kind of a quick recap of 2016 Um, because it's been a while since I've been able to update you, but uh, I just, man, your generosity has helped us, uh, helped two orphanages that we work with, 94 kids, and a special needs school that we work with, another 100 kids. Um, You've helped provide backpacks, socks, underwear, clothes, school supplies, uniforms, toys, uh, kitchen equipment, appliances, and just different things, a, a gas tank on Uh, a propane gas tank, and just different, you've helped provide Christmas for approximately 200 kids in one of the poorest colonias in the city with our Christmas in the Colonia outreach that we do every year. And uh, your generosity has helped us provide for approximately 400 families throughout the year who most don't get three meals a day. Uh, Your generosity has helped us train pastors and leaders um, in our school of ministry, Rayma Bible Institute, and you've actually helped sponsor some of those pastors with scholarships. We're in our fourth year with 16 students this year, and we've ga- graduated over 50 pastors and leaders since opening the ministry school. And so uh, we'll be planting new churches with some of our graduates this year. And so just thank you for being a part of training Mexican pastors and leaders. And we believe investing in in the Mexican nationals to reach their country and, and to plant churches all across Mexico. And you guys are part of that. Uh, you've helped us put a roof on another church that had no roof, uh, a second floor even to their building. And through the groups throughout the year and the different outreaches that we do throughout the city, working with uh, some Colonia churches and, and different projects that we have, we've, we've seen right around 2,500 people give their lives to Christ through what we've been able to, to do. And, it's yeah, it's amazing. Everything that we do. Uh, you guys are a part of that. You share in those efforts and know that God is working and moving in Leon and uh, we're just excited about what he has in store for us this year. And if you want to stay up to date on what we're doing, um, we have a table in the four-year area where you can sign up for our email newsletter. And we also brought some things from San Miguel de Allende that you can pick up for a suggested donation and they're handcrafted items made there in San Miguel. And so, all the proceeds, we actually are kind of doing a fundraiser, raising money for our kids' kids' rooms, our baby room and our toddler room. And we need some some furniture, baby furniture, changing tables, cabinets, you know, play gym, and all jumpy things, and some flooring, and kids' tables and chairs, and and those kind of thing for our kids. So, if you want to be a part of that and help us uh, raise money for that, that would be awesome. And and you can you can give more than the donate the suggested donation if you want we won 't stop you but uh, anyway it 's always a challenge for me uh, when I come to to know what to share because i want a part of me wants to preach and then the other part of me wants to just tell you everything that we 're doing in mexico so this morning I, I just want to do a little bit of both and you know it 's my first time ministering here, so I really wanted to I really wanted to just encourage you and and share our journey with you of how god has has directed us and how our ministry has started in the different Things that have happened and what we 're doing and what we 've been able to do, and how god 's just kind of led us to these these different different things that we 're a part of in, in reaching our community and because really you know I knew, we knew that we knew God was calling us to plant a church in mexico, and, and, and in my mind, that was like the only thing I, I had in mind you know i 'm going to start a church i 'm going to Mexico going to start a church it 's going to be great we 're going to have sunday services we 're going to have Wednesday night Bible study in church. And so you know that was kind of my that was kind of my thought process as we started this church and But as soon as we got there there were there were just these opportunities that suddenly presented themselves and and there were some needs that presented themselves and so all of all of these were happening, and doors were opening uh to do these different things, and we really sensed the Holy Spirit prompting us to do a whole lot more than just start a church <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and in a lot of ways a lot of ways we heard God's voice in those moments of needs and opportunities. And I know you guys are kind of in the series where you're uh, talking about uh, hearing God's voice and, and his direction and understanding those things. But, you know, a lot of times God's voice just comes in, 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 in those moments of needs and opportunities. And obviously, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is the one that kind of confirms those things in you, kind of gives you that that confirmation that, okay, well, these are this is a great opportunity, let's do this. And, and the Holy Spirit will kind of, Put something in you that that's just—I I don't even know how to explain it. It's just like this prompting, this this thing in you that's like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is the one. This is the one, Jeff. This is the one. Yeah, we're doing this. This is this is us. You know what I'm saying? And so. You know, and, and you have to be careful sometimes because you can get really busy doing good things. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things. I mean, we could do lots of good things, and they're good things to do, and there's nothing wrong with them. But you could get so busy doing all these good things, but you, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're God things, Right? there's a lot of good projects I mean we can do all kinds of good stuff but there are those things that are the God things that are for you that you're supposed to be involved in and so so these these ones in particular spoke to us I mean they they we knew that we knew that we knew yeah yeah okay this is God this is this is for us and before we knew it there were ministries that were born there were people that that God brought us with the vision and the passion to lead these areas or connecting our hearts with somebody and and, and to plug in and 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 be a part of that and and but it was just amazing to see how everything began to take shape uh, it, in those moments and when really we weren't even thinking about that stuff to begin with. I mean, does that make sense? I, ju- I just finished up a series in my church called Dangerous Prayers and it's, it's probably one of my favorite series. And uh, I shared with our church three dangerous prayers that if you pray them, if you pray them, they have the potential to radically change your life. I mean, they will alter the course of your life. I mean, they're dangerous in the sense that if you pray those prayers, Hey, your life is not gonna be the same. And so uh those are the kinds of prayers that I want to pray. I, I want to pray dangers. I want my life to be different. I-, I want God to shake things up in me. You too? And so it was a great series. Um, but the the one I I, I wanted to share, I wanted to share that prayer with you this morning and talk about that and talk about uh you know how this prayer is—is is the prayer that that we live by. It's it's how our church came to be, really, and it's the prayer that's responsible for all that we do and that we've done. It's it's what I call a prayer of availability. And so here's what I've noticed. You know, most of the time, what people pray want prayers for are, are things that directly impact them, or or maybe the ones they love, right? I mean, we pray all the time. God, would you do this for me? Heal my grandma. Help me get into this school. Help me find a job. And help me do this. And and it's okay to pray those prayers, but instead of praying, God, would you do this for me? A dangerous way to pray is, God, what can I do for you? You hear me? And so, not just hey, God, bless me, keep me safe, do this, and but no, God, man, I'm 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 your servant. I want to be available for whatever you want to call me to do, wherever, whenever, whatever. And that's what I call a prayer availability. And and honestly. That that's our strategy. I mean, that's that's our story, and, and it's just it's such a dangerous prayer to pray. And let me tell you, when you pray this prayer, God, I mean, God, there's no telling what God's going to do. I mean, He could direct you in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, he may lead you to go to a different city. He, he may reveal a calling in your life that you never expected before. Uh, he may lead you to stay somewhere where you were convinced that you were supposed to go do something else. It, he may move you to break up with somebody because He wants to give you an upgrade. <laughs> and wouldn't that wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Uh, now, listen, if you're married, I'm sorry you're not getting a new model. It, you just, you know, God's going to have to upgrade the one you have. So, didn't mean to get your hopes up there for a second. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, you, you don't know. He might lead you to a different job, He might call you to serve somewhere. And I, I don't know what it could be for you. But when you make yourself available to God, it's an incredibly dangerous prayer. And so, what is this prayer of availability? I mean, what, what, is, what is this dangerous prayer? And so, we see, we, we see it in Isaiah and as he makes this declaration he's he's seeking God i mean he's praying he's seeking God and and as he's in God's presence this is what happens in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 it says this then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us and i said here am i send me and and you know i yeah you're a missionary and that's a missionary prayer of course you're going to say that because you're here special speaker blah blah but you know what, it's it's really not It's it's not a missionary prayer, honestly. it's That needs to be our declaration. That needs to be the cry of our heart, our prayer, God, whatever, wherever, whenever, here I am, send me. Aquí estoy, envíame a mí. ¿Verdad? We have, ¿Dónde están los mexicanos aquí? Y, oh, muchos. All right. Siempre son los más uh, ruidosos. Y, so this scripture, this this declaration this declaration, this prayer, it, it it really tells me, I mean, it's this commitment that I'm making and it tells me, it tells me that I need to be in the game. I I need to go, I, I need to be, do, I need to be doing something. I need to be actively involved. I need to I need to volunteer for the Thanksgiving outreach, the food outreach, the benevolence outreach, Habitat for Humanity, whatever that looks like here. I need to be available. I need to be plugged in, connected to what's going on here in this church on a serving team, making coffee, swinging a hammer, teaching a class, visiting someone in the hospital, changing diapers. uh, You know, whatever, wherever, whenever. Right. So you know, it's not a missionary scripture. I mean, it's it's good, no doubt. But each of us needs to understand the implications of of uh, Isaiah's, I was gonna say, Isaiah's uh, prayer, Isaiah's declaration. We, we need to understand that. And so we need to do so. We have to be available. And so there are needs all around us. I mean, not just in central Mexico, but where you live, where you are, where you, where you work. And, and honestly, I don't consider myself a missionary. I, I, I just want to be someone who's obedient to wherever God's telling me to go and daring enough to say every day, here I am, Lord, send me. That's my prayer. That's my declaration. Aquí estoy en Miami. And so I've done that, you know, I've done that, that, that's, we live by that. And it's taken me to places that I never, ever in a million years thought possible. And, And that's, I mean, that prayer, I mean, it's, That's how we ended up in Central Mexico, starting a church from zero, from scratch. That's how we started an outreach six years ago that ministers to 150 kids and their parents twice a month. Many of them street kids and poorest colony in the city, feeding them, uh, loving on them, ministering to them, teaching them values, character, and life lessons from, from the word of God. Uh, that's how we started a non-profit organization called the Family Life Center, ministering to families in crisis, families in need. That's how we ended up working with two orphanages, 94 kids, 100 more kids at a special needs school. And this is the crazy story, a long story, but that's how God connected us to the governor of our state. We just got this crazy divine connection because his wife's family all come to our church, and through that divine connection and favor, that they end up naming me to the family council for the state of Guanajuato, the state that we're in. A foreigner, the only pastor on a government council working for the welfare of the families uh, for the entire state. It's crazy. I would love to tell you more about that, but it's absolutely crazy. Dangerous prayer, dangerous prayer. You might be shocked by what what I'm about to tell you, but I want you to understand that I really didn't plan on doing any of those things. I didn't. I had no clue going into this thing that we would be doing what we're doing. I had I, never even crossed my mind. It wasn't even on my radar. And, and there's so much more I could tell you about what's happened to us, the influence, the favor, the opportunities. And I didn't plan on any of that. I, I'm honestly not smart enough to do all that stuff. And uh, I wasn't really, I wasn't thinking about anything. I just wanted to start a church because I knew God wanted me to do something in Mexico. And we prayed this prayer. Here I am. Send me. And, and, and these things started happening the opportunities and the vision just kept growing and and doors kept opening and and honestly I was just happy to reach one person one person ah, that was all that was the only thing that was on my mind uh and and really that that was our mentality when we began this journey let's let's just reach one that was our strategy. Nothing complicated, uh, and I'd gone, you know, I'd gone to all the church plant, planter conferences, church strategies, church growth strategies, and do this and do. But to be honest, I was just happy to reach one, and and look where it was, where it's taken us. I mean, a dangerous prayer. Because I think it can be an overwhelming sometimes when you start thinking about, oh, what's God calling me to do? How am I going to make a difference in the world? I mean, and we start thinking that we're not, we're not called, you know, we're not, we're not any, anybody important, anybody big. We're not called to do something big. Ah, yeah, we're no, we're not anybody special. We can't do anything spectacular. So why bother? God speaks to the important people. No, I don't think that way. I used to think that way, and and I want to make it easy for you this morning. I want to offer you this thought, I, and it starts with. Just reaching one. Just reaching one. That has been our starting point on this journey of faith that has eventually taken us to Mexico. And if I can just reach one. And you you, you can't perhaps touch the whole world directly, but each of us, each one of us can make a difference in the life of one other person. And I believe that God brings us opportunities to do good opportunities to meet a need. I believe he speaks to us through those opportunities and needs in one person at a time, and I'm convinced that if you focus on the one, before you know it, you'll be standing in the middle of something huge, and, and that's, honestly, that's our church growth strategy. Uh, you know, just, just if I can just do one, reach one, and then I reach the next one, and then I reach the next one, and then, and then I look back, and before you know it, I'm like, oh my gosh, look at what we did. It's crazy, <laughs> right, does that make sense? And before you know it, you're like, you're surrounded by all this, I mean, there's ministries started, there's this, there's this outreach, there's these people that you've touched, there's this project, and you're like, I just was reaching one. You know what I'm saying? And so start with one and do good. In fact, Titus chapter three, verse one, says this, it says, uh, remind the people to be subject to rules and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. Good. Be ready to do some good things, in other words. Verse 8 goes on to say this. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want, to, I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God, who has trusted in God here this morning? Well, not half of you the others are trusting in Satan. <laughs> no, just kidding, church lady. Uh, so, so those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good these things are excellent profitable for everyone and as and and as if he hasn't emphasized it enough he goes on in verse 14 our people us believers must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not and, and not live unproductive lives and so i i just want to remind you to do good and some of us think you know some people think that doing good just means not doing bad well i'm a good person i didn't i don't do anything bad no, that's, you know, you're not doing good, <laughs> but yeah, I want to pastor a pastor church that wants to impact the world, and, and I know that your pastors want the same thing. I know that you want the same thing, and I love this quote from Helen Keller. It's one of my favorite quotes of all time. She said this, I'm only one, but still I am one. I can't do everything, but I still can do something, and because I can't do everything, I will not refuse to do the something that I can do. And I love that. And really, in a nutshell, it, that's what we've done in Mexico. I mean, it's not complicated. It starts with one. It starts with something. And in and, and my experience, God's voice and his direction has come through, through an opportunity. It's come through a need that presented itself. It's come through, the, through touching the life of one person, of doing good. And here I am, send me. Aquí estoy, envía mi a mí. It comes when I put feet to that prayer, to that dangerous prayer. And so this morning, I wanna give you three things really quickly that will help you reach one. And this is what we do day in and day I mean, this is, this is church. This is what we do day in and day out. Three things that will put feet to this dangerous prayer. And the first thing you need to know and realize is that it is my purpose in life to do good. It is my purpose. That, that is my purpose. It's your purpose, right? I mean, the reason why you're... <laughs> Sucking air right now is not to pay your bills, go to work, raise your kids, try to just get by. Your calling in life is to do good. Ah, oh, what am I supposed to do with my life? I don't know. I can't figure it out. God help me. I, it's it's to do good. It's to do good. That's why you're on the planet, and and the, the the reason why the the only reason why the Lord doesn't just rapture you straight from your seat when you lift your hand and say, "I'm going to give my life to Jesus," and whoop, you're gone the The reason he doesn't do that is because, you, after you cross that line of faith in knowing Christ, now now he has something for you to do. There's something for you to do now. Do you hear me? I mean, he's he's wired that that purpose and that passion in you. And I love Ephesians chapter two verse ten. Says this. and I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. We need to understand that, man, we were made for his purpose and passion. And, and look at Ephesians 2.10. It says this, for we, you, are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art. And that means that he specifically crafted you. He constructed you. He put that motivation in you. Maybe, maybe you have a heart for kids. And there are people in my church who are passionate about the orphanages that we work with. And, I mean, he he put that motivation in them to pour their heart, their finances, and their lives into, into kids, to love them, care for them, bless them. And he doesn't do that for everyone, obviously. And everyone doesn't need to do that. I mean, we need to love kids, obviously. But that's not everyone's motivation. We work with a special needs school because the director of that school took in five orphans. And, in fact, she was so passionate about rescuing kids that, she she rescued these five five girls and five orphans. She adopted them, eventually. And what really brought us together was this was her heartbreaking story and the opportunity that presented itself. and And the Holy Spirit just knit our hearts together to work with her. We're like, yeah, okay, th- this is us. This is this is this is what we we're gonna do. And so, but she started before she started her special needs school. She worked with an orphanage for a few years, and she grew really close to these five little girls. Really connected with these little girls. And they were about six years old at the time, and they started they started confiding in her about some things that were happening there, and they were describing sexual abuse, and all of them, and and so she just was heartbroken. She could not believe this was happening to these little girls, and she confronted the directors. And they denied everything, and and uh, uh, and 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 she found out that the directors of the orphanage were actually pimping out these girls on the weekends. And six years old, seven years old, five of them. And men would come and pick the girls up on a Friday and bring them back on a Sunday. And she was just outraged. She just was outraged. She went to the police. The police wouldn't do anything. And and the directors fired her for reporting it. And so no one would listen to her. I mean, she went to so many people to try and report what was happening and get somebody to do something. But no one would do anything. And, and the thing about Mexico orphanages is, there's, there's no regulations, there's no state regulations, there's no inspections, there's, no, there's nothing. I mean, an, literally anyone can start an orphanage there. And a lot of people do, just so they can exploit the kids, make them work on the street corners, uh, make them sell stuff, uh, gum or candy at the intersections, or just all kinds, of, I mean, they round up the kids from these orphanages, send them out to work, or they pimp them out, and those kind of things so she was just heartbroken, and there wasn't anything she could do. She felt there was nothing she, she could do, so she ended up just losing touch with them over the years, but uh, one day, one of the girls escaped the orphanage. She was a teenager now, and she found, she found the lady, the director, and so she was like, you've got to get, you've got to save, you know, the other four. You've got to come, and, and we've got to do something, so she ends up rescuing the other girls, and they 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 ran away, and came with this lady and so she ends up adopting them and she's putting them through school and different things but she asked for our help and there's a lot of issues as you can imagine so we've provided school supplies, uniforms, clothes Uh, we've taken them shopping, we we buy essentials Um, but man, you know, but they have a new life they have someone who loves them, someone with a passion and a purpose to do good and love them out of that just horrendous situation and you're a part of that, by the way. Not only do we work with them, but we work with the special needs school uh, that God can, and we connected through those things. And it's just those opportunities and those needs. It's like, ah, uh, yeah, this uh, we, this is what we're doing. We got to do this. This is God. You know what I'm saying? Needs and opportunities. Uh, here I am. Send me. We put feet to our prayer and doors open. The Holy Spirit prompts us, and we know, yeah, this this is God. This is this is our thing. We're gonna do this. And so it's just heartbreaking some of the things that happen in those places, but listen, God puts special gifts, talents, passions, callings, and abilities inside every one of us. You are his workmanship. The scripture goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used to do something for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand. He's got something for you to do. And if you want to make a difference, and I know this that you do the first step in the process to realize that it's my purpose in life to do good. God chose to show his goodness through you. You're his plan. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought of this, but God doesn't directly do good to anyone. Do you you realize that? He he does good through you. His goodness is done through you, through his church. And I love what Mother Teresa used to say, and it's it's cliche today, but it's an, an amazing statement. She said, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. And it's our responsibility, and that's, that's why we're here on the planet. Our purpose is to start with one. And that's our mindset at Arbol de Vida. This is what happened. Let, let me tell you what happened when we first started our church. Keeping in mind this, just reaching one idea. There was a lady that showed up at our door one day, and she was looking for a job. Her husband had a heart condition, was unable to work, and she had a family to feed. She lives in one of the poorest colonies in the city. And her name, and her name, her name is Reina, and some of you guys know her that may have gone on the trip. Uh, but she came to our door looking for work, and my wife connected with her, and one of those, you know, f- moments, uh, the, one of those moments, uh, Lord, here I am, send me, what can I do to reach this family type, type things? And so Sylvia, she hired her to come and clean her house three days a week, no interview, no nothing, which is completely unlike my wife, uh, but just like in that, I mean, just you're hired on the spot, and it was crazy. My wife doesn't do stuff like that. <laughs> So she started working for us, and it wasn 't long after she started working for us that she started to talk about you know all the stuff that she believed and she she worshiped these different angels and had different names and spirits that she worshipped, and saints that she worshipped also, and all this other kind of hodgepodge of crazy stuff and so she then starts telling us about her son having this gift of seeing the future that he could see things uh, he could he knew things before they happened with with the family. And uh, she was just really proud of this gift. She thought, wow, this is my son's got this gift. And she, But after a while, she she started getting a little concerned because uh, she said that he could see spirits. He could talk with them, and it scared him. And, uh, in fact, he would tell her that he could see dead people, kind of like the Sixth Sense movie, if you saw that. And uh, that's that's what he would do. And so as the week, w- weeks went by, my wife just began ministering to her, you know, like, hey, man, you know, this isn't God. This isn't God, and let me tell you about... Uh, Jesus and she didn't want to hear it she didn't want to hear anything about Christ And but eventually she started showing up to work crying, just crying day after day distraught because of these spirits her son could see uh, began tormenting him telling him to do things, threatening him And they, they would find him hiding under his bed at night or in his closet, he, he couldn't sleep he was terrified, terrified, he was 7 at the time and so this went on for weeks. He lost weight, couldn't eat, had these huge dark circles under his eyes and, and just his face kind of sunken in and just a pale color to his to his skin. And he, he looked like death. He looked like he was on the verge of death. He hadn't slept in so long. They took him to the doctor. Doctor said nothing's wrong with him. They took him to the priest and the priest told him they were crazy. Then they took him to seven different spiritual healers and curanderos and no one could help him. And in fact, the last one they took him to, and this freaked out the parents, but the last uh, spiritist they took him to, as soon as they walked in the door, the guy t- tells the boy, his name's Jonathan, hey, who's your friends? And so that really freaked the parents out there because, you know, they didn't see anybody there. And so one day she finally, she finally reached the end of her rope, and she's like, okay, well, tell me, tell me more about Jesus. We, we don't know what else to do. And so my wife told her the only answer was to give her lives to Christ, and he would set her boyfriend. She's like, well, you've got to, you've got to tell my husband. And, and so we invited him over for dinner that night. We shared Christ with them and, and plan a salvation. It was like the jailer story. You know, we, what, what do we need to do to get saved? And so the whole family received Christ that night. And then, and then we gathered together in a circle, prayed right there in the living room. We took authority over that spirit and attacking their son. And before we finished their prayer, the prayer, the, he fell asleep standing up. And so he slept until 1 o'clock in the afternoon the next day. And he's been sleeping like a baby ever since. And the kid is a little preacher man. And so he's 13 now. He's 13 now, and man, he's he's preaching to his teachers, his classmates, he's laying hands on them, and he's just like so fired up about God, and he loves me to death, and and what's well, not to love, right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but he's like, I'm going to be like Pastor Jeff, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be a pastor, and that's all he talks about, he imitates me, and he wants to be like me, and he idolizes me, and I can't blame him, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. <clears throat> but he's the great kid. He's just a super kid. Loves God. And so so the, the next day she comes to work and she's like in tears and she's crying. She's so happy and, and he's so free, so peaceful and so thankful. And so they're like, you've got to come and tell our family. You've got to tell our family about Jesus. And so we came the next night. They invited all their family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, nieces, nephews, cousins. and And in a Mexican family, you know, that's like half a city. And so... <laughs> no but there i don 't know there were probably seventy people sixty seventy people there that night and and we ate dinner and then and then, after dinner, I shared the gospel with the whole family, and they all received Christ that night. everybody received Christ that night it was amazing it was amazing, and not only the family, but while I was sharing about Christ, there were probably thirty, forty kids that had gathered and hanging in, hanging in out the windows and outside the doorway and because they saw the Americans come up and they wanted to see what was going on, so they all heard the message, and they all received Christ that night. And it it gets better. Uh, This is one of the poorest colonies in the city. A lot of the kids there live in the streets from abused homes, drug-addicted parents. Some get one meal a day, and little kids addicted to sniffing glue. But Reina and her husband Raul were so on fire and excited about what God did in their life. They told us, you've got to tell our colonia. Our colonia needs Jesus. You've got to come and tell them. And so they went door-to-door inviting people. From the colonia to their house, and they had a big dinner and, and invited the whole neighborhood and 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 sharing how God delivered their son and and so we came that night and there was probably i don 't know there were eighty people there and uh, from the colonia and and I shared the gospel that night, and everybody got saved that night there was every single hand went up when I gave the invitation and i 've never experienced anything like that I mean it was crazy, and so how did that happen i mean what, what was your strategy what were what was your plan i mean we didn't have one. My plan was: let's just reach one. This is one person, one family. Reina, when she came to the door, one person, one family. We're just going to reach one. And from that opportunity, that need, that one person, we we knew. I mean, it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out, but we knew. Okay, God wants to do something here in this in this colonia. And so, so that's when we decided to start an outreach in that colonia. And we've been there six years. 150 kids uh, every week, moms and dads, families. We feed them a meal, and we minister to to them. And that was the beginning of our first outreach in the city. And we had just barely started our church, like a month. And we had more people in that outreach than we had in our church, like three, four times the size. (laughs) It was crazy. And so, but the thing is, I wasn't planning on doing any of that. I wasn't planning on doing anything like that. I hadn't even thought of starting anything else. I was just trying to start my church during a Sunday preach, Wednesday night, Bible study, but that outreach never crossed my mind, I wasn't thinking like that, I mean, not only, (laughs) it was just, it was, it was just crazy, you know, but it started with one, reaching one, our purpose, and you have to realize that it's your purpose in life to do good, and then before you know it, you're like, you're looking back and, and, oh, my gosh, look at this. I got this outreach going on. We're doing this. We're doing this hospital outreach every month. We're feeding the poor. We're in these colonias. We're doing all these things. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I just wanted to reach one family and start my church and preach on Sundays and Wednesdays. <laughs> but look what God's done. You know what I'm saying? And just you just reach one. And then the second thing you need to understand is you reach people wherever you are. Because some people think that we just do good things in religious places like we just do good things in church outreaches or or something like that or a mission trip. No, man, you, you do good things like to the person seated next to you. I mean, yeah, they're smiling and having a great time in worship. Everything looked like it was okay in their life that they're, you know, Mr. Christian. But man, you don't know what's going on in their life. I mean, everybody has issues. People are dealing with stuff and you don't know. And if you just said, if you just, I mean, when's the last time you ever Talk to the guy sitting next to you, the person sitting next to you, and hey, you know what? Is there anything I, is there anything I, I can pray with you about? He'd be surprised the response. Well, you know what? I'm going through this right now. This happened. I just got laid off. I, you know what I'm saying? Well, just reach one. We just do good. And, 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 and man, and do good when you go out to the restaurant today. You know, you got, you got an opportunity to show the love of God to those who are working two or three jobs at a restaurant, single moms doing the best they can to make ends meet, and that's not the time to be impatient. Oh, man, it's taking her 10 minutes just to bring the tea over here. She's not getting a tip. No, that's the time to radically show the love of God to that person. Isn't it? I mean, if your bill's 30 bucks, leave a $30 tip. Do, I mean, do good. Do something good where you are, and, 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 and what, about, what about this? Then you go home and you do good there, like to your kids, Do good things. I mean to your parents, to your spouse, do something in your own home. Well, you don't know my kids, they're spawns of Satan, you know, they're demon possessed. I know they're demon possessed. And you know what I'm saying? Not the demon possessed part, but and then, and then you're going to go to work tomorrow, and you're going to do good there. And, 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 and doing good things is not just the mission strip. It's not just volunteering for the Habitat for Humanity. Uh, you know, you've got an opportunity on your road, the restaurant, at home, at work. Everywhere you go, you, you do good. And, that, and that's really the message of the Good Samaritan. I love the story. The story wasn't that he just did something nice for a guy bleeding and dying on the Jericho Road. No, that, it, it was that he wasn't planning on it. He had he he had somewhere to go. I mean, this guy interrupted his plans. He was traveling somewhere, and and this guy happened to show up, right? I mean, the coolest part of the story was that he stopped. He did something, and he wasn't like he was, uh, you know, signed up to volunteer for the Jericho Road Outreach Team, right? He wasn't. He's, his life was interrupted, and and and, I, and that's that's what we do. That's who we are. That's that's what we do, as the church, and so. Man, we need to do good, you know. I, I guess my, going past my time. Am I good? good. Okay, oh, five more minutes. There's a hook that comes out in a second, but. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we do good, you know. His life was interrupted. I remember when we remodeled our first location. It was just this little tiny storefront, and uh, tiny, and there was a plumber that we found that was working in our neighborhood where we lived, and we didn't know anybody, so we said, Hey, can you come? work on our bathroom. We hired him to work on the bathroom and, re, you know, fix the bathroom in the in our new loca- in our first location. And uh, he had a helper with him. And I don't know what it was about this guy, but my heart just, ah, I just, I don't know. I just, yeah, it's just the Holy Spirit. You know, there's an opportunity, there's a need, and, and the Holy Spirit just kind of grabs you and you're like, connects you to this thing. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that how it works? And so I just felt that for this guy. And, and, and he ended up helping us with the remodel of our first location. It took about three or four weeks. So every day, I I bought him a sandwich across the street from our building, the best tortas on the planet in this one location, in this one spot. It was a bad spot for us because, man, we probably gained, I don't know, 40 pounds eating these tortas every day. (laughs) So... Um, so I bought him lunch like every day. And every day I shared the love of God. I mean, I, I shared the word with him. I, I, I wasn't pressuring him. I wasn't trying to get him to come to church. I just wanted to do good right right there. This guy was right there, day in, day out, working on our bathroom so we could remodel our first location to have church. And on the last day of the re- remodel project, I led him to Christ. And, and he started coming to the church. His whole family got saved. He has three little kids. And our first Christmas there in Mexico, he wanted to invite us to dinner at their house for Christmas to... <clears throat> to thank us for leading leading them to Christ and loving on them, and so we went to dinner that night at his house. We noticed that you know it was Christmas time, and they didn't have anything for the kids. I mean, there was there was nothing Christmassy about their place. And we found out later that he'd been laid off, and and he had sold all of his tools and sold a bunch of stuff to pay the rent and buy groceries. And so he was a carpenter by trade, and you can't work if you don't have any tools. And so later that week, we went to the store and, and bought his kids Christmas presents. I mean, we bought a tree. We bought decorations. We, we bought him a set of tools, and uh, way nicer than the ones he had. And we showed up at the house uh, for Christmas, and uh, Christmas Day, and had, and had Christmas. And he cried, and he cried. <clears throat> and he told me later that he used to be a drug dealer, but he got out of that life because he had a family, and so but he was so desperate he had already contacted his old friends and was going to go back to selling drugs, but we we showed up and we blessed him with the Christmas and bought him tools so he could work and provide for his family and man, I tell you what, they were at church every time the doors were open, and God so radically changed their lives because we just wanted to reach one three things to put your feet to put feet to your prayer. Lord, here, here, here am I. Send me. Aquí estoy, Señor, envíame a mí. And it's your purpose in life to do good. And second, you just sow the love of God everywhere you go, wherever you are. What's my? I don't know, I just want to know what God's calling on my life is. I'm waiting for Him to tell me. No, you know what? It's simple. It's just right where you are. It's just doing good. And here's the thing about it, though. Why? Why would He give you more information about what you're supposed to do if you're not faithful to what the assignment that He's already given you to do good? <laughs> that make sense so here's a third way and this is the last one uh to put feet to your prayer and and it's this find a need and fill it find a hurt and heal it and i love that i mean can't can't get any more easier than that and and does anyone remember that that uh, animated movie robots came out a few years ago yeah any other adults watch animated movies besides me (laughs) so remember kids were little we took them to that and it's about a robot looking for his purpose. And that was the whole message of the movie. And that was the mantra of the head robot guy. He's like, see a need and fill it. That's, that's, he, that's what he would say. So find a need. There's needs around you. There's needs around you. Your pastor needs you to respond. He needs you to fill the need. Jump on that team. Fill that need. And, 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 and when we started our church, I never thought I'd be doing anything with orphanages. Like I said, it wasn't even on my radar when we started. But after seeing the need, I just, ah. Uh, uh, and and I know, you know, I, you don't necessarily want to be completely moved by your emotions, but there is that part of you, obviously that's passionate and that's emotional uh, about the need and those things. But then, the, then there's the Holy Spirit that kind of just kind of uh, confirms it in you. Yeah, that's that's us. That's where we need to be, right? And so that's why, we, that's why we've done what we've done. That's what we, why we do what we do. Find a need and fill it. And they're, find a hurt. They're all around you. I mean, they're hurting people everywhere. And if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll nudge you. And that's the role of the Holy Spirit to lead you to the places where people are hurting. And so I dare you to pray this prayer. Lord, what's my assignment today? Point somebody out. I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll be your guy. I'll be your answer today. You just show me who. Here I am. Send me. Aquí estoy. envíame a mí and that's that's our cry and that's our prayer and it's a dangerous prayer and so i just want to tell you you know i want to i that's that's our that's our whole church growth strategy right there that's it here i am send me i mean that's our prayer and then opportunities needs and god's led us to those things and we have outreach ministries we have a hospital outreach we have just oh, so many things that we're doing now it's like mind boggling i just I, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all the stuff that we've done. Look at the lives that have been touched and impacted. Man, I had no clue I was going to be doing all this stuff. I never thought I would because I, I just wanted to reach one. I just wanted to start a church because I wanted to preach. No, I'm doing all kinds of stuff now. And it's not me and I'm not bragging on me or us or what we do. It's just that I just, that's our that's our heart. That's our cry. I just I just want to reach one. And God's just gonna take over and do amazing things. Do you believe that? Man, I believe it. Thank you for the opportunity, for giving me the opportunity to share this morning. And can I pray with you guys? Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to be your servants. We thank you for the opportunity that we have, God, to to be a part of what you're doing in the world so many needs around us God I just pray Father that something stirred in the hearts of your people today that, that Lord maybe they see a purpose maybe they see their purpose maybe they have a passion God that thought that they thought was just kind of insignificant but Lord I pray that you'll just fan the flames of those things in their hearts Lord and that they'll be available <clears throat> that they'll be available that they'll pray that prayer God and that they'll, they'll, they'll make a commitment to do something Lord, that they'll be led by your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that your agenda will become their agenda. And that every day that they'll they'll ask, Lord, what is it I can do for you? Lord, that they'll pray that prayer, that Isaiah prayer, that dangerous prayer. Here I am, send me, God, wherever, whatever, whenever. I pray that over these people, Lord. I pray blessings over them. I pray that you bless them financially so that they can give and they they can sow seeds so that they, they can be a blessing to others. I pray, God, that you'll... Anoint their hands as they work and, and put their hand to helping and building and touching lives. Lord, I pray that you just move and work in their lives, and that you'll show them ways that they can contribute and be a part. And Lord, that that they'll that you'll just connect them to that thing, that thing that, that that's going to motivate them, that thing that will drive them, that passion and vision, Lord, that, to do good. I pray that over this this place, God, and these people. And Lord, we just surrender ourselves to you. We love you. We praise you. Hallelujah.